You're listening to the Golden Mike Podcast with me, the noise of the North, Dano the Mano. This is a podcast about the lake life and toad water sports, focusing on pro wakeboarding and its athletes. My goal is to give listeners a chance to take a journey into the lifestyle and times of me, my peers, and the people we meet along the way. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the Golden Mike Podcast. The Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you by Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando, Florida. Get the best deals online at www.perfski.com. Yeah, welcome back everybody to the Golden Mike Podcast. It's Dan Mano, the noise of the north. And I'm stoked, it's our fifth podcast already. Holy smokes, these things are just cranking out. Um, well, hopefully you guys have heard them all. Um, I, I've got the website up, noiseofthenorth.com. We, uh, we're finally rolling and we're finally uh, starting to get some input from some folks around the industry. And I'd like to start getting a, a bit more input from you fans. So please do me a favor and feel free to shoot me an email at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Well, today we're recording inside the studio loft here inside Dr. Phillips, Orlando, Florida. Well, as always, well, that is until I start hitting the road a little bit more this summer. Today we've got a very, very, very special guest. Our guest is one of the forefathers of wakeboarding. He's been honored by our industry with the Legends Award. A man who's won just about every contest ever. A man that after almost a decade away from the competition scene has made his triumphant return this year to the WWA King of Wake series. We've got Darren Shapiro in the studio today. Yeah, Dan, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, Darren, so cool to have you, man. What what an honor, my friend, and uh, looking forward to the interview. I've got some really, really cool questions um, and and some, some special stuff lined up for you. So we'll get to that in just a little bit, but first I want to start out by recapping my weekend. Uh, last Thursday, I flew to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, getting ready to kick off the 2014 Mastercraft Pro Wakeboard Tour season. Um, a little bit of a bummer, had a, had a long, well, delay in Orlando. I was supposed to fly out at like 1.30, didn't end up flying out till, well, a few hours later than that. I ran into everybody who I was supposed to be meeting a little bit later on, saw them all fly out. I hate when that happens, but... It's 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 a part of the game, you know. It's the the travel. So, um, the first stop of the pro wakeboard tour. We got there Friday morning. It was cold. It was windy, uh, but nonetheless, we saw some good riding out there. Um, Darren, you made your return. It was pretty cool seeing you uh, seeing you back out there. And everybody had everybody had like uh, two opportunities to qualify through. It's a new format. Everybody knows that this year they've kind of cut women and junior men wakeboarding from from the Mastercraft Pro Wakeboard Tour, not from the entire King of Wake season. But nonetheless, we saw a lot more action from the pro men, and I think I think we're moving in a good direction here. So um, after Friday was over, actually the weather got a little bit better, and the local Horizon Athletes, which is a group of special needs adults and children, stopped by, and they had a chance to meet a bunch of the pros. It's, it's always cool seeing guys like Harley Clifford and, and other top names really get, hanging around and giving back to the sport and spending well, their free time with these folks from the community. We've been doing this uh, just about every year with the Horizon athletes, and it's become a tradition, and I usually stick around and take photos. And this year I did the same, and you know a few of them may have asked me for my autograph as well. Not sure if they thought I was an athlete or not, but hey, a- any chance I get to... To give an autograph, I'll do so. Um, Adam Arrington took the win in the Contour Big Air Kicker Contest. Chad Sharp took second place. And what's interesting is Chad Sharp actually won the first ever Big Air Kicker Contest that we had out there in Ackworth, Georgia. And I, I don't know if we did it nine years ago at the first time we were there or if it was a few years when we started bringing out the stage. Nonetheless, it's pretty cool seeing Chad Sharp being you know a guy over 30 years old still competing uh, at that level and, and boosting, you know, nearly 100-foot airs off the kicker. Um, in second place in that, yeah, Chad Sharp. And in third place was Stephen Pierce, and Stephen Pierce won the first 
big air contest of the season here in Orlando, Florida, at the Wake game. So I'm seeing some good some good stuff and have a good feeling for Steven this year. Harley Clifford took the W in pro men wakeboarding with Rusty Malinowski in second place. And Tony Carroll, his hard work has finally paid off in the King of Wake series. We've seen him in the semifinals before. I'm not sure how many finals, if any, we've ever seen him, but I'm stoked that he finally took a podium. It was a well-deserved podium. I I actually thought Tony was, uh, for a while, I think he was leading the heat, but I know he's pumped on on that finish. He was I had an opportunity to talk with him a little bit. You can see some more of the behind the scenes by checking out The Noise. It's my photo and word journal on iwake.com. Uh, each and every week I post photos and words from my travels, from all the events that I go to. So please be sure to check that out at www.iwake.com. I also want to take a quick moment to mention a really cool new app for anybody who wants to keep up with competitive wakeboarding. The WakeScope app is now available at the App Store. An old friend and a longtime wakeboard enthusiast, Stu Mackey from the United Kingdom, has been hard at work perfecting WakeScope. So check this out. You can track and locate events around the world. Now you have the ability to follow, enter, judge, and even manage your own events right from your smartphone or tablet. Eventually, the app's going to work with the judging system. The judges are going to be able to, to use it right in the boat, right onto tablets. And um, there's going to be, well, already there's a live trick feed. It's not run by the judges. Actually, Stu Mackey hangs out on shore all day long, inputting tricks as they happen. Um, already, these guys have been to some of the most major events, the WWA World Series, which was in Brazil a few weeks ago, and then a few of the events that I've already been to that I've seen them at, the Malibu Pro Card Qualifier here in Orlando, the Nautique Weight Games, the Performance Gravel Tour, and, of course, this past weekend at the Mastercraft Pro Wakeboard Tour. Uh, the current King of Wake rankings are now up, so make sure you check that out. And uh, be sure to download the WakeScope app. I have a feeling that this is going to be a go-to app for all Wake enthusiasts. Well, we're going to be back here in just a few moments with the interview with Darren Shapiro, guys, live and in action here on the Golden Mike Podcast with yours truly, the Noise of the North. Dano the Mano. Hey guys, are you interested in advertising on noiseofthenorth.com? Maybe you'd like to sponsor a segment in or become a sponsor of the Golden Mike Podcast. Go to noiseofthenorth.com, scroll to the bottom and click on our sponsorship opportunities. All right, and we are back here in the studio loft here in Dr. Phillips, Orlando, Florida, and... In the studio, we've got a very special guest. You guys, he got a great little introduction earlier in the show, but once again, the living legend, Darren Shapiro. Darren, what's going on, my friend? Great to have you here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have a chance to sit down with you, and uh, I feel pretty fortunate to be invited to come do this with you. Thanks. Well, you know, we've we've done four episodes already. Um, I'll give you a quick recap of who we've had on the show this year. We started off with Mike Dowdy. And then uh, after Mike Dowdy, we had Chris O'Shea, and then Jimmy LaRich. And the last episode, we had Rob Corum from the WWA. So I thought it was only fitting to bring one of the legends in this week. Well, thanks. It sounds like I'm in good company. No doubt. No doubt. And it was really cool last year. You started uh, showing up around a handful of events. I remember seeing you come down to the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour, uh, you were riding at the cable a handful of times, and you and I started connecting there. And uh, actually, your son, Ken, was actually rode in a couple of the, the gravel tour events last season, which was, was pretty awesome. So we want to welcome you back to the scene, my friend. It's, uh, we missed you. We missed you. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> I know. I know you were, you, you had a, you were doing a little bit inside of, of uh, the world of Wake uh, during your hiatus and We'll get to that in just a little bit, but let's let's kick off the interview. Let's talk about the first time you rode a wakeboard. That would be uh, in March of 91 when I was already riding some of HO Ski's uh, products as a junior boy and then in Boys Division as a three-event water skier. And Herb O'Brien uh, brought down the very first Hyperlite ski board 
uh, down to Mike Ferraro's place in West Palm Beach, where I was kind of a fixture of that lake and always hanging out. So, so you were a skier. You were you a, a a boat water skier and a cable skier at the time, or when I was ten years old, my mom brought me out to a cable park down in South Florida, also known as Ski Rickson, and uh, I started skiing just as a ten year old. You know, I went and rode everything there, shoe skis, disc, barefoot. You know, I'd drug around the lake, and uh, I would have slept in the pro shop if they would have let me. And uh, I did that for about three years uh, until I met Mike Ferraro out at Ski Rickson one day and uh, begged him to come in and uh, ski with him. But and, and Mike Ferraro, he's, in our industry, he's, uh, he's well, he's basically the go-to coach. For, for just about everybody, but he's been in the industry for, for years. He works with Ronix. He does uh, all the product testing, R&D. He's, he's built and designed so many boards and skis over the year. And skier or, or wakeboarder, Ferraro's basically, if you want to win a contest, he's the guy that you need to go talk to. Well, I'd be uh, hard-pressed to think of anybody who's more knowledgeable about any part of our industry uh, more than Mike Ferraro. Right, right, for sure. So... You, you, you're a skier, and Herb O'Brien comes down. He, he puts you on the ski board at the time. As a skier, what are your thoughts on this thing? The first time I rode the ski board, uh, you know, it felt more natural to me than all the water skiing I had done growing up because I was already taking full cuts at the wake on my trick ski and doing like long-distance back rolls, we called them, you know, as a as a young teenager, and at 13 year olds, I was trying double front flips on a trick ski. Uh, you know, hanging ar- around Ferraro, he was just always pushing me to try uh, try crazy stuff, and there was kind of nobody else riding a trick ski like I was. And all the traditional tricks done on a trick ski were really kind of unnatural for me. So first time on a, a ski board, it just fit fit like a glove. It was like a, what I was supposed to be riding the whole time. So when you transitioned to to the ski board, or when you when you found out about it, when you started riding it, did you did you basically just throw water skiing out the back door? You know, it just felt so right. I couldn't think of it, of anything else. I just wanted to ride that board. So when was the last time you actually uh, did a little water skiing? You know, I used to slalom about once a year. Uh, Ferraro would hey, say, "Hey, try this slalom ski," and I'd go, you know, make some turns, which is super fun. And I know that. Um... In the Feet on Fire Barefoot contest, it was probably like 08 or something like that. I know you showed up at Clear Lake and and came in and competed with the crew. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, anytime I get a chance to hold on to a handle, I don't really care what I'm doing. <laughs> Just, yeah. you know, I'm up for it. So so you got on a ski board in 91. Uh, when would you say your pro career started taking off? Well, there's a funny little story, and I'll, I'll make it short. But uh, I jumped on the ski board, and it was one week before the World Championships in Hawaii, which was, yeah, it was about a week, maybe 10 days before that event. And I jumped on the ski board for the first time. Ferraro videoed me, sent the video to Herb O'Brien. And I knew the contest was in just a few more days. We're talking, this is the first time I ever rode a ski board. So that night, you know, I'm like 17 years old. I said, hey, Dad, will you send me to Hawaii to go compete in the ski board World Championships? And he never even heard of a ski board before. So he's like, oh, let me sleep on it. And uh, so I was, you know, he didn't say yes. But the next morning I woke up to a phone call from Herb O'Brien. And he said, uh, my dad came in and said, hey, Herb O'Brien's on the phone. He wants to know if I'll let you go to Hawaii. He wants to send you a ticket. Wow. So that was, uh, for me, that was, uh, you know, I kind of never looked back. I mean, that's I knew that's a humongous deal. That's Herb O'Brien. That's the guy who started... O'Brien, that's the guy that started HO, that's the guy that started Hyperlight, that's the guy that started Ronix and Radar. Yeah, if there was a godfather of the wakeboard industry, it would clearly be Herb O'Brien. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that was it, you know, that boom, 17 years old, I'm gone out of my house and, you know, starting to get some sponsor checks and, you know, never, I don't think a guy ever went back home after that. <laughs> how, how did you end up doing at that first contest? Uh, you know, I stood up and uh, I was... You know, it was like a fantasy for me, you know, 17 years old, being flown to Hawaii and riding in a contest. And uh, Eric Perez, it was his contest. 
And, um, you know, my competitive side of me says I totally outrode him, but I got second. Right. <laughs> I got right. second and it was, it was great. It was just great. I mean, I, uh, it how, was, how did the riding styles differ between you and Eric Perez? You know, um, I think ever, ever since I, you know, grabbed onto a handle, I've always had kind of a guts or guts or glory, just, you know, style about me. And, uh, I remember even back then I just, you know, gave it a hundred percent and, uh, I was just a wiry 17-year-old. I, I remember uh, really upsetting Eric Perez at that event. Do you remember your trick run? Yeah, I think uh, I think I did a heel-side back roll. I did a 360 where I wrapped into the rope and then did toe-side, backside 360 out of a wrap. You know, this is kind of old trick-ski sort of stuff. Yeah, these are the tricks I do on a trick-ski still yeah, yeah, today. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, I did a front flip. Uh, I grabbed a few things. Um but, you know, back then I had all this knowledge from trick skiing and riding with Mike and everybody else competing, you know, had killer style, but it was all like surf or sure. snowboard related, but nobody had the background of holding onto a handle uh, like I had for so long. Right, right. Um, who are the guys that you came up with that you rode, that you actually rode with back, back, you know, in the early to mid 90s? Gosh, you know, early on it was like Scott Harwood. And, uh, you know, gosh, uh, a little bit of Sean Murray even back then, you know, maybe 94, 95. Um, and it was just really a little bit of everybody. I kind of stayed within my bubble of just hanging out with Ferraro and trying to progress tricks um, more than I was doing a whole bunch of broing down and hanging out. I mean, there was a time and a place for that, but I just seemed to be so focused on the sport itself right. that... Uh, it was just about how, you know, what can I do on this board? And I was really dialed into that with Ferraro, and we just kind of really nurtured the whole thing. Would you would you say that you kind of had the uh, Ricky Bobby mentality back then, like you're either first or last? Totally. Really? Totally, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, I was like, you know, you know, live by the sword or die by the sword kind of way, way of going about it. But with Ferraro, it was a real technical thing of just kind of, it was like a craft. You know, as opposed to just kind of going out and having fun riding. But for, what was fun for us was creating this progression that was going on. And, I mean, that's what got us excited. Uh, give me an idea of how many events over the years you've competed and maybe uh, an approximate of how many events you've, you've, you've competed. It's got to be, it's got to be a couple hundred of events. And out of those events, how many wins would you say you've had? Uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, just on the Pro Tour and some of the World Cup events that we I did so much of before my big break, um, and I thought I had you know nearly a hundred wins. Wow! What and can can you think of one that was the most important win to you, the biggest win of your life? I felt the one that was the most kind of weighty for my career, and that really um, was a bit of a propellant to. Um, feeling like wakeboarding was getting to the next level was the X Games. That was huge. You know, the, the type of media coverage and the type of excitement that the sponsors had for it, I just thought was kind of unparalleled compared to everything else we had done. What year did you win the X Games? I won it a few times, but uh, the first time I think was, shucks, I don't remember, maybe 2002? I'm not sure. Okay, so... I, this question isn't on here, but uh, I didn't think about this till just now. My question is this here. 14 years old, Parks wins the X Games, right? Parks Bonifay. And you're a few years older than Parks. How, do you, how does that make you feel? You know, how, do, how do you work with that? The year he won, I was injured. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I was on the sidelines, kind of just watching. And, um, you know, just being so competitive, I've never been easygoing about not winning when I was earlier. I mean, I was, you know, pretty dead set on going to a contest to win. Yeah, you know, sure. That, that, was, that was my job. And, and uh, you know, watching other riders come up, I was always impressed and excited about their riding, but it just made me want to raise my game. Hey, and you can't can't blame you for that, for sure. You know, you're, you're, you definitely are a competitor. So, um you that you had a long career, I mean, and then 
I was actually working at Performance Ski and Surf, and I really got to know you probably sometime around the end of 2003. Uh, you'd be coming in and out of the shop and picking up some gear and, and bringing students and whatnot. What what year, can you remind me, did you decide to hang it up and why? I would say it was around 2004-ish, maybe 2005. But, you know, I've been through a 20-year cycle of competing and injuries and traveling and politics. You know, even in a sport like this, we do have politics that sure. can wear you down and kind of suck the fun out of it a little bit. Um, so I think it just... After a 20-year cycle of doing those things, I think I was just ready to take a break. And, you know, there is life outside the industry, too. And, uh, you know, uh, my wife and I had just gotten married. And we were talking a lot about living in Hawaii. And, you know, I think I was just ready for a scenery change. So, yeah, kind of touching on what you just said. You mean, you, you see it today. I mean, it, it it's gotta be it's gotta be tough I, I remember watching you and i i wasn't rooting against you it was just one of those things where it's like man darren wins every time and now you look at it and it's like phil and harley and you know th these guys aren't that bad a guy you know they're, they're nice guys when it comes down to it but uh sometimes they do catch some slack and and people almost look down upon the fact that they're winning every contest, you know? And uh, that's that's definitely has to take a little bit of a toll on you, too. I mean, it was no secret that there's that everybody was gunning for you. I mean, that you you were the game, you know, for so long. You were basically the game, and, that's, and everybody was shooting to beat you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel for those guys on one hand, but when I look at those guys, you know, I'm older now, and I look, I have a much different perspective. I look at those guys, and I think, yeah, guys, keep doing it. Win this thing, you know, and whether it's Harley or, uh, uh, sorry, Phil or Rusty, I, those guys, stay on your game. Keep charging it. You know, I, I want to see guys like that keep winning. I mean, that's that's why you're there. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Other, hey, if, if, if it wasn't about winning, then I guess you could just stay home and try to become a free rider, you know? You know, I used to say that all the time. It's like, don't go to the contest unless you uh, don't plan on going to the bank on Monday. You know, that was, that was, my, that was my goal. I want to go home with the biggest check I can on Monday. Um, you know, hey, but you get older and you, 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 things change, you know. Hopefully. Sure, sure. So um, you're tired around 2004, 2005. Did you keep up with the contest scene and, and the riders uh, since, since, you're, since you're tired? You know, what I think happened to me was, uh, and, I, and I think this is true for probably a lot of athletes and musicians as well, I think when it wears off for you and you're not a fan anymore, as well as a professional athlete, you need to continue to be a fan to want to be engaged and really get the joy out of it. And I don't think I was a fan anymore. I think I had been, you know, I, I don't know if hurt's the right word, but disappointed um, just the way some of my sponsors handled me. And this a bit of the politics of it, I think, it just helped me just kind of turn the switch off and take a walk. Sure. Well, I know you, I know you kind of, you, you kind of, uh, faded out of the scene a little bit, and then I remember oh, a few years later, you started coming around a little bit, promoting the wake surfing, and you had a wake surf brand, um, and then and then maybe took a little bit of a break from that, and then like I mentioned at the beginning of, of the segment, you, early, or last season, you started coming around to the, to the gravel tour contests with Key and your son, and... Um, what what was it that really made you decide to make the comeback this summer? The first thing was my son. You know, I had my kid. Kean decided he wanted to start playing around on a wakeboard. So we started playing together, dragging him around across the garage, dragging him across puddles in the yard taking him on the 2.0, introducing him to the cable, you know, Daddy, will you ride with me? And there it was. 
there I am back on a wakeboard with my, you know, with my wingman, my little buddy. So that was the first spark. And one day he saw a bunch of tents across the lake at OWC. He said, hey, Dad, what's going on? What's going on over there? What is that? And I said, oh, that's uh, the gravel tour. Bill Porter from Performance puts his uh, boat contest on over there, you know, a few contests a year. And he looks at me and he goes, can I ride in that? I was like, if, if you want to, let's go check it out. So we go over there and we're, we're getting to the side. He goes, well, aren't you riding too? And I was like, I, I didn't even cross my mind, actually. I was just here for you, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I went home and uh, got my gear and talked to Bill Porter, and he said I could do a demo. And I went out, and I rode behind that G23. I was there. <laughs> and the wake was huge. And uh, I couldn't believe all these uh, emotions and switches that were just kind of going on inside me with the people who were happy to see me, uh, my son, who was thrilled to be with me there. And standing on the dock, you know, with Bill Porter and Sean Murray and whoever else was there. And man, it was just like, I wasn't there to win anything. I expected nothing at all. I just wanted to put my board on and ride with everybody else. And it was a totally different experience and emotion that I had ever remembered having, putting a wakeboard on. And like I said, being there with my son and just sharing that with him just, I mean, I guess I'm looking at it from the side of love, not from sport. Right. And uh, that, you know, I went out and I rode, I would consider pretty well, you know, in this, on a giant wake. I considered that very well, too. I think you went out there. I think you did, uh, I remember it was a huge Vulcan. Uh, I, I remember you cranking out a couple of sevens. I can't remember if you landed them or not, but I do remember you coming to shore and, and I mean, the crowd was going nuts. It was, it was amazing. I mean, that was that was the first time I'd seen you ride in 10 years. I mean, maybe even longer. I, the, the last time I remembered watching you ride was in 2002 at the Worlds. And the reason I remembered that was, well, my best friend Eric Ruck won the contest, and I was there to watch him win, you know. And so I watched everybody and just – and. Uh, hoping that Ruck was going to win that right. contest, you know? And, right. But, uh, man, that was that was an amazing day. I remember you rode so well, and then I remember you came back to the next stop on the gravel tour, and I think you and Sean Murray went out and rode like a double set or something like that. Or actually, I think you rode back-to-back. Yeah, it was almost like a little old-school head-to-head thing going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you was... know, Sean, this is just so typical. Sean's like, you know, he's going out and playing. And I'm going out thinking how I could ride better. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I know you mentioned you you did a little bit of riding with your son, but how much wakeboarding, aside from that, did you do over your break from from competition? Well, when I I rode that gravel tour, I just knew that I wanted to participate. I didn't know I wanted to compete. Um, So I went and I rode with Sean. I rode with a couple of other pros. And this is pretty much fresh after, you know, really not strapping on a wakeboard for, I don't know, three or four years, maybe once here and there, but not really. Um, and I was kind of watching how they were riding, and then I was kind of gauging where I was at, and that's when it kind of hit me, hey, I think I can go do a few events and maybe at least hold my own. I'm not going to win anything probably, but it sure would be fun to try and just participate and be part of this community. So you're grandfathered in now to the pro card. You have a pro card for the rest of your life. Well, no. Oh, you're not? Well, you know, I wasn't. Um, I went to enter the pro card this season because I was told I needed one. Um, It doesn't work that way for the pro tour. I'm grandfathered into the world championships and I think one or two other events. Nationals. I thought thought that you had a pro card for life. So... You've never won the entire pro tour season or have Yeah, I've got seven tour, pro tour titles. And and overall pro tour titles? Yep. Wow. So the thing about that is it doesn't say in any of the it doesn't say anywhere that you are grandfathered into the pro tour because you've won, you know, pro tour titles. So I called Rob Corum to say, "Hey, where do I got to be? Where do I, you know, where's my entry fee go and all that?" And uh, I was I was just really stoked when he said, you know, we're going to give you a wild card or basically a pro card 
um, just based on your past performances, I felt it was a, a kind of just like a real gift. You know, I felt honored. Yeah. Um, I was more than happy to go ride the, the uh, qualifier. And I was getting ready for that. <laughs> sure. Um, but no, he, he um, gave me a pro card, and then I was happy to, you know, in, in my mind, come through. And uh, I didn't feel like I just deserved one just because. You know, I don't didn't have my hand out in any way. I was, you know, ready to participate like everybody else. Um, but yeah, so they let me into the, the first pro tour stop. What? Where did you finish over the weekend in, in Ackworth, Georgia, the first stop of the Pro Wakeboard Tour? You know, I'm happy to say my goal was to make the top 10, and I finished ninth. You finished ninth place. And then what about at the Wake Games at the beginning of the year? Um, I made it to the semifinals. Right. And then I, I literally broke my board on my first trick yep. in the semis. Yeah. That was all. I, it, it's a bummer that your board broke, but uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then you kept riding. Yeah, yeah. I the still, same board. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, figured what the heck. Um, I just just having fun, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping that put me in the top 15 in that event. I'm not really sure. I was really happy with my earlier uh, performance, but, you know. Do you see yourself back at the, on top of the podium or on the podium again? You know, I don't know because those guys are just stroking it. You know, uh, between Harley and Rusty and Phil and, gosh, Tony Carroll killed it. And and uh, Steele Lafferty took me out on this last event, and I watched that kid ride and was totally amazed. Um, but I am inspired to raise my game, and that's what's going to happen, you know, for the rest of the season. I'm just going to try to keep tacking on tricks and see how, you know, see where I get. You know, I'm still so fresh back into it that I don't feel like I'm near my potential. Um, so, so I'm totally inspired to, to up it and see how, see how, how far I can get. Well, it's got to be inspiring for, for fans also, and, and not just fans of wakeboarding, just anybody in any sport to see a guy like you come back. I mean, the, the age span for wakeboarding, I mean, realistically, well, you are the oldest guy riding on tour right now. The next guy would be... I think I was talking to Dean Smith, and I know Dean Smith said he's like top four oldest guys, and Dean isn't even thirty years old yet. So, you and uh, sorry if I offend you to drop your age, but you're you're at forty years old now, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, Andrew Atkinson was telling me he's thirty two, and he had the title as the oldest guy. Yeah, I mean, and and you're not just paying to ride in events. You're you're in the top twenty at the first stop of the year. You're in the top 10 at the second stop and with this new pro card I mean it's it's not easy to get there it's first of all it's not easy to get to the contest but to 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 be at that level and to, to still be at that level I mean that's some very very impressive stuff Th thank you it's uh it's not from lack of effort <laughs> <laughs> all right so um just a few more questions for you is there anybody that you used to compete with back in the day and maybe you didn't have the best relationship with then, but getting back into the sport now, you, you guys kind of are cool now or have a better relationship now? I don't think so. I think uh, maybe people's perception was where it was. I know a long time ago they thought Byerly and I had some rivalry. We didn't. You know, we've always just been, you know, quietly friends. Um, but I can't think of anybody in particular that, uh, it was anything more than just, you know, a little competitive drive between, you know, two guys, but, uh, not, not really. No, you probably, uh, Do, why is there somebody, you know, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> but I was thinking about that yesterday. I posted this photo on Instagram. I'm sure. I don't know if you saw it or not. You and I yeah, just cool. became friends on Instagram yesterday. I didn't even know. I'll, I got to help you out because you're capable of getting thousands and thousands of followers. I'm just a new guy on there, you know. I, well, you, you've got to decide. Do you want Do you want to have a lot of followers or do you not want to have a lot of followers? Well, it's <laughs> funny because some of the younger kids I coach, they're like, you're on Instagram? Right. You're so old. <laughs> what are you doing on Instagram? Like, you little punks. <laughs> you're like, you little punks. I'm old? Come on. That was a good photo, though, huh? Brad Smaler took it. 
That's awesome. With my camera. That's awesome. Yeah, I was. I'm uh, honored to be standing next to Byerly. That's great. Um, you're a pretty intense competitor. You always seem to take contests very serious. You obviously are going to go down in the books as one of, if not the greatest, competitor of all time. My question to you is, if you could go back to say 1995. Would you have approached the industry in any different way, or would you have done everything the same? You know, I probably would have pro- approached it a little bit differently, because um, now when I look at younger p- competitors now that are, gosh, one of the best competitors in the world, uh, gosh, you know, if we could all go back and behave better at times or treat our sponsors better or be more thoughtful of our sponsors at times, it, it would always improve our long-term relationships with people and sponsors. Um, I think myself, I was just so focused on the actual sport that I didn't give a lot of attention to relationships. Um, and I, I think that would have helped me long-term with, with sponsors. Uh, now I totally understand. I mean, as, as you get older, hopefully you learn a lot of different things about how things work and you, you can look back and I think you always could have done things better. Uh, I have a funny story. This, this only take a second, but I was standing on the dock and this guy comes up to me holding a little shiny can. You know, I just won the event. Cameras are all on me and this guy hands me this little shiny can. And I had seen it before, the day before I had tasted it. And I was like, oh, you know, and I'm all into like, you know, healthy stuff and didn't want this little shiny can with a bowl on it. And he hands it to me and I go, oh, no, thanks. I don't drink that stuff. And the dude walks away and he was the team captain for Red Bull. And the next year they exploded. Oh, oh no. (laughs) So sometimes, you know, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but also uh, I've always just been true to myself. You know, I am about, I was about the sport. I was about competing. I was about just only using products, you know, that fit me or, or that I, that I loved. And I think on one hand, it's good to be true to yourself, but I think on the other hand, it's good to keep an open mind and nurture relationships and appreciate sponsors and appreciate relationships. And I think I could have done, done, done that better. Do you, do you feel, you know, we, I'm not going to say any names right now, but people obviously know who we're talking about, but do you ever feel that maybe sometimes being number one on the podium, you maybe take some of that stuff for granted as far as sponsorships and the fans and stuff like that? It's easy to stand on the podium and to feel like this is what matters. It's a really easy thing to do. Um, It's when you're not standing on the podium that you understand all of the things that actually matter. So what does matter? Well, like I was saying, building relationships and being aware and uh, of the, the, the people around you and the, the you're participating in a sport and you're for a bigger cause. It's not just all about you. That moment on the podium is bliss, but you know that's just a moment and that's not the whole big picture. Sure, sure. Cool, Darren. That's, uh, that's about it for this real serious stuff. Um, I've got some, I've got something new I want to try here today. Um, I, I wrote five quick trivia questions for you and I'm going to see how you can do on these. Um, I tried to keep them kind of a little bit based around you a little bit as well. So let's see, let's, let's go for it and let's see what you got. Um, first question, 12 honkies. That was a wakeboard film. You were one of the stars. Um, can you name all of the 12 honkies. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a trick question anyways. There's actually 17 <laughs> riders in the movie. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Um, who was the first person to land a double flip in competition? Oh, that would be me. And that was? That was a double front flip in 1998 at Cranes Roost Park. And that was the speedball, the double front that flip. That was. That's right. Will we see the, fr- the, double, will we see the speedball return? Absolutely. So you will, have you landed one in the 2000s? Totally. Have you landed one in 2014? Totally. I need to see this. I'm... <laughs> All right. Um, who landed the first wake-to-wake double flip in competition? That would have to be Mike Dowdy, the double half cab roll. Okay, well, 
there's a little controversy on this one. Uh-huh. Some may say it was Harley Clifford with a double indie tantrum in Texas a few years back. Um, You're probably right. He Well, here's what happened. He knew he had the heat one, and he came through the course and didn't do any tricks until he found the exact perfect spot. So I actually hit Rob Corum about that one last night. So, <laughs> um, Name all three Sovin brothers. Philip, Jason, and Bob. All right. Can you name three Kardashians? Kim. Kim and Kim. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that would be pretty good. All right. So those are the five trivia questions. Uh, another cool thing that I've done this week is uh, I've what I'm going to start doing is I'm actually going to start letting people know before the shows who's going to be on. But this week I reached out to uh, a few of my friends and uh, – and got a couple of questions from some fans of yours. Uh, Stu from Polk County, Florida, wants to know, who's your favorite rider on the current scene? I'd have to say, lately, I've really enjoyed watching Dean Smith. He's one of my favorite riders for sure. Very cool. Well, that's actually going to come into play in one of these next questions here. So, um you you invented the Araley behind the boat, right? First on the cable, I called it a layout, and then uh, I took it behind the boat and called it a rally. yes. Okay, well, Sam from England asks, what's your thought process when you first considered attempting the Rayleigh behind the boat? Uh, it was pretty basic. I basically was uh, on a trick ski whipping around the corner on the cable park doing layouts, and Chet Rayleigh... An old friend of mine said, you need to do that on your ski board behind the boat. And, of course, the pole was low on a Mastercraft 190 with a very tiny wake and sandal bindings on my little board. And I said, oh, well, here goes. And that was my thought process. <laughs> did you land it? How many tries did it take? Oh, just first one. First try behind the boat? I had done a million on the cable first, you know. It just kind of That's unbelievable. Uh, Iman from Chicago asks, as a rider who is notorious for charging harder than most, what's your opinion on the final result at the Nautique Wake Games this year with Dean Smith taking down Harley Clifford? I feel that was a controversial call. The tough one, it was really a tough one to call. Um, I thought they both rode amazing, but I may have put Harley on top, um, but I think amplitude must count. I agree. I, you know, I, I, I saw, I saw it and I'm the kind of guy I'm, I'm going to go with what the judges said on that day. Um, and I think they were specifically looking for something. I, I just hope they stay consistent with it, with what they're looking for. Uh, definitely. I think Harley's run was a, a bit more technical on that day, but you know, if, if they were looking for amplitude, I mean, Dean Smith definitely, definitely, uh, was, was going for it that day. You know, I grew up with the mentality, learn a trick, wake to wake, however you want to learn it, and then see how big you can take it. Right. You know, that's what the spectators are going to enjoy, and I hope more riders can embrace that. Sean from Orlando asks, what you consider to be your best wakeboard movie appearance and your favorite section from another rider? That is a tough one. That is a really tough one. Oh, you know, it seems to change throughout the years. I was always uh, really, really impressed with uh, Sean Murray's section from Hype way back. I thought, you know, it was a little bit of a game changer. And then it was Parks Boniface section in... Uh, 12 honkies. I mean, that is just sure. jaw dropping. So, you know, I'm going to have to go with Parks Boniface section, uh, and 12 honkies. That's pretty amazing. And what about your personal appearances? What like in videos, what was your favorite uh, video to be a part of? You know, um, what I really enjoyed was my section in switch 22 because I felt like it was a real leap. You know, I, I kind of felt like yeah, we started with these kind of water ski related tricks and they melded into wakeboard tricks. 
But then I felt when Switch 22 came out, it was like a leap. Bam. Okay, this is wakeboarding. You know, I thought that was the real kickoff of where style and unique uh, progressive riding kind of birthed, you know, as far as videos go. Very cool. Well, some some interesting stuff for sure, Darren. I really want to thank you again, man. It means so much to have you here on the Golden Mike podcast. I mean, you're a true legend of the sport. I've been watching you for 25 years now. <laughs> um, and as a Toad Water Sports enthusiast myself, I mean, it, it it's an honor to be able to interview you. It's an honor to meet you, you know, 12, 13 years ago when I first moved down to Florida and now to have you as a friend and, and to see you back on tour. I mean, it's an inspiration. And uh, I, I hope that it pushes more people who think, hey, just because I'm 30 or 35, I can't do this anymore. I hope it pushes them to, whether it's wakeboarding or anything, just to to, to take that next step and, and start, you know, getting back into fitness and health in their life and their lifestyles. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to let everybody know how they can find you through social media, how they can contact you if they want to. I don't know if you're still doing lessons or not, but uh, what's the best way to, to get in touch with you? You know, I've got a few things going on. First, I'd like to mention the movie that Ron Seidenglanz and I have been putting together for the last few months. It should be like a 15-minute documentary uh, about, um, you know, just doing things for the love of it and family life and, all, and putting all those things together. I think it should be pr- pretty uh, unique to have not having seen a movie done like this before in our sport. And it documents your comeback and everything as well, right? Pretty much. It's, it's a little bit about everything, and it includes that as well. Um, to get in touch with me, uh, you can find me at darrenshapiro.me, uh, as well as um, ridethespot.com is where I do my coaching out of. So we're still doing lots of coaching and taking on groups and trying to spread uh, the good information, and keeping people safe, and enjoying the wakeboarding as much as possible. Um, and then I'm also doing OrlandoWakeboardCoach.com, which has lots of tips online, all free information, so people can uh, make sure they're doing stuff safely. I'm gonna I'm gonna help you with this social media: Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you know, you could be a fan at Darren Shapiro on Facebook. Okay. Um, Instagram is Darren underscore Shapiro. And shucks, how do you reach me on Facebook? No, Twitter. Oh, Twitter. Thank you. Um, you know? First thing you got to do is you got to open an account. <laughs> I have one. I, ha- I have one. You know, I just use my app. Okay, yeah. now I look like I'm 40. I'm admitting it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know how that works. It just, it gets everything I rolling think it's together. Grindwater. Uh, Grindwater Darren. Cool. On Twitter. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll do our best to we'll do our best to post that up on uh, with the article or with the uh, podcast when we do so. Darren, once again, I want to thank you. Hey, quick question: the scud or not the scud? You know, the the scud was uh, was there for a while, but you know, it kind of faded out, and uh, I've decided not to revisit it. <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, that's good as an announcer. That's good to know because you know how many times it almost came out over the weekend. <laughs> I'm gonna think of something new for you. I, I will. I'm I'm really good at coming up with nicknames. So I'm all about it. Yeah, cool. Hook me up, guys. That's Darren Shapiro, the living legend, in the house with us here at the Golden Mike Podcast. Tell me who you want to hear on the Golden Mike Podcast, along with your questions and comments, by emailing me at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. We'll be back in just a moment with the closer here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Are you the ultimate wakeboarder fan? Then you need to download the WakeScope app. Follow wake events worldwide and get the full breakdown by heats, tricks, get rider rankings, and much more. Download the WakeScope app available in the App Store. Well, I'm going to be heading to the Nautique Masters this Memorial Day weekend. It's my ninth year announcing. Plus, I made two appearances there uh, selling water skis before that. So it's my 11th year at the Masters. I've been been doing that event for a long time. It's one of my favorite events. I'm stoked for that. Um, Darren, if you have a chance, I don't know if you're going to the Masters or not, but uh, Friday, this Friday, Eric Rook and his band The Stereotype is going to be playing in Orlando at The Social downtown. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about being my buddy. I get to give you um, plugs all over the Golden Mike podcast. So... Uh, The following weekend, uh, May 31st, we're going to be back in Orlando for the second stop of the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. 
I know you stopped by the last uh, event, Darren. We got our photo taken, and it's on my iWake.com blog. Any chance we'll see Kean riding this one? That's up to him. Usually a couple of days before, I ask him, and he tells me what he wants to do. So we could totally be there. Either way, I'm definitely going to come hang out. Very cool. Um, as of now, I'm not booked the first weekend in June. Uh, so if I do end up staying in Orlando, I'm probably going to enjoy that weekend with some wake surfing, some R&R, some uh, rest and relaxation. Uh, I do have a really, really busy summer ahead of me. Darren, I'd like to get out there and do a little wake surfing with you sometime. Bring it on. Yeah, my wife loves to wake surf. Heather and uh, Kean's wake surfing now, and I take my little little two-year-old out there, Kaya. She loves getting on the board. She cries until I take her out on the board. So yeah, come on. She's so cool. It's so cool seeing her riding around on that little bike, that little pedalless bike. A little wooden push bike. Yeah, that's that thing's great. That is awesome. And I, also, I talked to uh, two-time world slalom ski champion Thomas DeGasperi. And I, I skied with him yesterday. I'm gonna actually after we're done here, I'm actually gonna head back to the lake. Um, and you got the invite to come on out, so we have got to do that before I head back up to the Midwest for the summer. You got a ski for me? Uh, you can just use my ski. It's double, a, double high wraps or no, kick no, no, in? No, no. Hey, what does Andy Mapple use? He's, he's, a, he's kick a kick in. in. Yeah, so yeah. that's me. All right. Um, and I'm going to be planning to be back in the Midwest sometime around June 17th between Chicagoland and Southeast Wisconsin. I am uh, going to be rejoining the ranks of the world of amateur show skiing with my longtime ski club, the Aquanut Water Ski Show team. You guys can check them out on Instagram at Aquanut Water Shows out of Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. A lot of industry greats have come through there. Kevin Michael. Um, who used to be the editor of Wakeboard Magazine, you now does a lot of uh, stuff with social media and helping out a lot of riders. Anthony Monaco, who's the general manager of Performance Ski and Surf, was an Aquanaut. And Eric Ruck, that's where him and I met. He was an Aquanaut before he, uh, well, before he fully transitioned in the world of pro wakeboarding. So if you guys are in that area, uh, please stop by. We've got ski shows every Wednesday and Saturday starting Memorial Day weekend through Labor Day weekend. It's really cool. I want to thank my guest here again, Darren Shapiro. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. It, it means so much to me. Guys, make sure you follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore Shapiro. And uh, you can follow me through social media on Instagram at Dano T. Mano, on Twitter at the Dano T. Mano. And don't forget, guys, email us with constructive and even the occasional non-constructive criticism to goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Until next time, y'all, I'm the Noise of the North, Dan O'Lemano. Peace.